0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome to another Loving the Christ Life podcast. Thank you to all of you who have been letting us know how much you love the new format, of what's going on. You know, we've been giving you some audio from some of the live conferences that Warren has done around the world, and uh, this week is no different. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week with a conference that Warren uh, had conducted in South Africa. It is terrific. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren.
1: You see, dear friends, when Paul received this revelation that Christ was in him, it was earth-shaking. God had placed his entire plan, his entire scheme, his entire hope for ever having a family in his house in one man. Just one man. He could have called on Peter, but God knew Peter. He couldn't handle that. John. John handled it but it was over 30 years later before John even wrote about it. it. took him a time to handle it, scripturally speaking. So I'm talking to you about the most important word God ever gave a human being. The issue of what is life? What is it about? What's happening with it? It's all locked in that one man. He didn't give it to anybody else. He talked to a lot of people, never said a word about it. Jesus spent three years preaching on this earth and never did go into the detail about it, never said that He was going to return and live in human beings by Spirit. Never. You see, you can live a lifetime, never know what's going on. You can be in religion a lifetime, never know what's going on when it's plainly written in the book. But those are not the people concerned with here today. The people concerned with today here are the people who have some knowledge that Christ lives in you. Now we're going to have to learn to give a mind to that. You're going to have to give a mind to it. You're going to have to learn that the words you speak should emanate from His Spirit, from His life in you. That the things you do should be Christ's things. The work you do should be Christ's works. The job you have should be a Christ's job. You're a Christian. You don't separate yourself from Jesus. If you do, then you're back acting again. You're an actor. But it's when your love affair becomes so keen with this Christ that's in you that you are a Christian. And the world knows, they'll know you're a Christian. You won't fit in, so don't think this is going to change everybody around you. You won't fit. But it's time Christians knew what a Christian was. And it's time the world knew what a Christian was. Their concept of Christianity is we're out building big buildings, we have big institutions, we take in a lot of money. That has nothing to do with what a Christian is. Those are some of the things Christians do, but that's not what a Christian is. So here we have one man that God has entrusted with this truth. That's a more important truth than any Einstein ever had. That's a more important truth than these fellows have that fly to the moon. That's a greater truth than anybody in religion ever had. That's the most mind-shaking truth that could be given to human beings. The simple fact is God never intended we live like we live. Do what we do and act like we act. He never intended that. Christians can be miserable people, you know. With Christ in them, they're miserable people had a woman in a meeting not long ago stand up and testify and say, well, I sure had the world in my hand and everything was going good before I got saved. She's right. Somebody else came to me and said, I tell you, it's a whole lot harder to live this life of grace than it was to live the denominational church life. I said, you're right. You know why it's hard? You know what the difference is? Now, to be a Christian... You have to give a mind to it. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about a mind that was in Christ. He doesn't want you to have the mind of Episcopalians or Catholics or Pentecostals or Baptists. He wants you to have the mind of Christ. God never intended that we grow up on church doctrine. He intended that we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, Paul says, that was also in Christ Jesus. And in another place he says, but you have available the mind of Christ. It's available. you got the Holy Spirit there to teach you this Christ. It's available to you. Open up to it. Receive it. Let it work. This mind of Christ is available to you. It's a working organism that's in you, and you're not using it. He said in another place be not taken up with the things of the world. Be not taken up with the things around you. Don't be drunk on the things of the world. but receive the mind of Christ. These are the things that are said to us by Paul. Now what's he going to do with this information he's received? What is he going to do with it? Is he going to get up? Maybe he's a place of prayer. I always see him kneeling at a big stone, maybe out in the Arabian desert and I see him get up from that prayer meeting where Jesus has talked to him and God has told him that Christ lives in you. What's he going to do with that information? He knows nobody else in history ever received that. He knows that he never hurt another soul and he knew the Old Testament. He was a rabbi. He knew the scrolls. He knew what had happened in Israel's history. He knew nobody had ever heard anything like that. Three years he'd been over there at Ananias' house. He had been fellowshipping with the Pentecostal people out of the day of Pentecost. They didn't know a word about it. They didn't know a thing about it. So he gets up from that altar. And I see him scratch his head and he says, oh... Where do I begin? This is earth shaking. This is the reason why he died on the cross. This is the reason why God spent 1,700 years working with Israel that she might come to this one day of what a new birth was. This is why we have all those old scrolls. His mind began to trigger what this means. What am I going to do with this information? Well, one of the first things he did was to rush over to Jerusalem and try to tell all the preachers there what was going on. I didn't go over very big. They didn't ask him to preach in the church. He never got to preach in Jerusalem in the big Pentecostal church there. But he went to people that were hungry. He had the germ of earthly living in his grasp. He could either release it or he could let it store up in him. What would he do? So he said, woe is me if I preach not this gospel. He made a gospel out of it. And from that day on, he regularly was visited by Jesus Christ who told him what to do, how to do it. He didn't know what to do. How are you going to go out here and tell humanity that's already alive that they're dead until they accept Christ and until they know they've accepted Christ, there's no difference in their soul. Still the same. How are you going to How are you going to handle that? What are you going to do with that message? Religion stored it away and said, Paul is a crazy man. That's the way he's evaluated. And the religionists of that day had to do with his death. They finally got him killed over in Rome. But he went about 30 years before they did it. So he got the gospel out. He got the final gospel out. He got the gospel that belonged to born-again people out. He got it stated. He got it written perfectly. But every once in a while he'd be visited by Jesus and Jesus would show him a new thing about this message. Read it in the epistles. He'll be going along in the epistles here and then he'll come to something entirely new. Or maybe he'll be praying a prayer and in that prayer he'll state things that the believer should do. No law. Not one law did Jesus give him. Not one law did Paul ever print. He had a whole lot of suggestions. He had a lot of instructions. But they were all in love. It came across, dear believer, here you can live like another person is in you, or you can be an ignoramus. World full of Christian ignoramuses. It's up to you, Paul. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them exactly what happened to them. In every event, in every way to live, whether it's healing, health, business, marriage, Christ told him how to handle it by virtue of Him living in us. Did you know That 90% of the preaching today is taken from preachers, born again preachers. Many who claim to be spirit filled are taken from preachers who are preaching people who never knew and never had Christ in them out of the Bible. You think there's some difference listening to somebody that knows Christ lives in them and somebody that doesn't know that? Is there a difference? Can you tell the difference? I know some of you have sat in church buildings and heard the preacher use the term in Christ. It's used 146 times in Paul's epistles so he couldn't possibly preach from the epistles and not run across the in Christ statement. You heard him say, oh my, he believes it too. Oh, he doesn't believe it. It's there. It's been written there. He doesn't know what it means. He's never given a mind to it. I'm just a little old voice going around in the world telling people that Jesus lives in you. If you give a mind to it, you'll know how to live in this world. I stated what I thought the world was in the beginning. It's a world that's at war. It's a world full of Jews that don't know who they are. A world full of Christians who don't know who they are. So what have we done? Instead of listening to Paul who gives us an answer on how to live in every detail of life in 14 short epistles he enumerates it all from the in Christ position. Instead of listening to him we have built up a structure of education of medicine of science and so forth all of which has not the slightest detail in it or even overt tale in it of Christ living in human beings. When was the last time you went to a doctor and you poured out your fearful tale and he looked over at you and said, uh, Do you know, dear friend, as a Christian, Christ lives in you? And we're going to start from that viewpoint to handle your case. You ever run across one? Better still, did you ever run across a preacher you wanted counseling? You went in and had a talk with him and he said, we're going to start from the basic point that Jesus Christ lives in you and move up from there to your problem. Anybody ever talk to you like that? No, you've been denied the gospel. I preached that gospel until Christ was revealed as my life. Oh dear friends, if you want to know how to live, we're going to talk about it. If you want to know how God intended you to live, and I don't mean uh, He intended you just to live off of herbs and this sort of things, That's okay. They're doing good work. But unless somebody starts at the point in your life with, here you are, a believer who has had Christ living in you, All the years up to this point, now we're going to talk about how to handle your problem. Because you're not going to be acting out anymore what you think you ought to do or what somebody else thinks you ought to do. We're going to talk about how Jesus lives through your creation. How does He live through your creation? Your creation is of God. You were created by God, created in His image and likeness. We're going to talk about how Christ moves through your creation. Dear friend, that's a whole other story. That's another gospel. That's something that only comes from the Apostle Paul in this book. Later it came from John. That's something you need to know. If I sat here and told you I had the cure for cancer... And didn't tell you what it was. I'd be a mean man because it's a horrible death of a lot of people in cancer. It hurts. But if I sat here and told you that I knew what was the answer to your life, what was the answer to your living, your answer to being on this earth, and didn't tell you what that answer was. What the cure for earthly living is. You're not going to need it when you get to heaven. You need it now. What the cure for earthly living is. If I didn't tell you, (coughs) I'd be a mean man. To a lot of people I am anyhow, but for other reasons. I'd be a mean man. I'm going to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you about changing your mind. I'm going to tell you about upgrading your thinking. I'm going to tell you that there's been nothing wrong with you. All of the time you've had troubles and sorrows, there was really nothing wrong with you. It's just you didn't know what to do and how to do it. You were ignorant of who you were. So this conference is going to deal with who you are to yourself. You see other people look at you and they get you imagined to be somebody you don't even think you are. Do you ever have anybody come to you and tell you things about yourself and you never thought that about yourself? Mostly they told you bad things and you only think good things about yourself. Regardless, I'm going to tell you what a good person you are. How that one day when you felt your need of somebody saving you, you turn to Christ. And I'm going to tell you what God did at that moment and how He intended you should live. He never intended for you to be a God. He never intended for you to take the place of Christ and try to do it yourself. 4,000 years are spent in this book where God deals with people who are in self-effort. Many of them were doing what God told them to do, but in the final end, they were in self-effort to be saved. And when Jesus died on the cross, He changed all that. He no longer would accept your self-effort as a matter of salvation or as a matter of who you were. For the first time, he accepts Christ as your life and nothing else. You've been bred by God. Some of you remember the homily, the little story I tell about a horse that is bred to be a racehorse. And on the day of the race, the owner. Grabs that horse by the bridle and talks to him and says, I bred you. I spent thousands of dollars to get the right seed in you so you would be a winner. When you go out there on that track, don't act like a pretty horse. Act like a racer. Nobody cares how you look. We care about what's in you. Let it out. One day God birthed in you his seed. His seed, His incorruptible seed is in you. He puts you under the race. He's not interested in how you look, how you feel, what anybody else thinks about you. He's not really interested in you as much as He's interested in that seed working through you. Again, it's Paul saying, I no longer am important. Christ is the important one in my life. That's the gospel. That's the final gospel tied to the cross. Remember, nobody else in the Scriptures ties a gospel to the cross, only Paul. That's the final gospel. So you got the seed in you. He's there. He wants to come out of you like you are. Can you understand that? The way God made you. God made some of you like this fellow to have a lot of hair and like this fellow here to not be able to grow it above, but he grows it on his chin. (laughs) You're different. You're all different. Christ wants to come out of you in that difference. Not the difference you are by the old seed, the corruptible seed. We will make a distinction in that. Because far too many are still bringing forth the fruit of the old seed. A fellow said to me the other day, Well, I don't get mad often, but I get mad once in a while. That's the old seed. He's still got it there. Where is it? Is it in him, in his spirit? No! The lady said to me one time, I get angry every time my husband does that. That's the old seed. She probably has a right, but that's the old seed. You see, that nature is gone. What you have left is a bunch of junk in your mind that says, This is who you are. Get mad every time he does wrong. Curse! Every time makes you feel better. That's the old seed. But the old seed is gone. It was crucified at the cross. Know you not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. Well, how can the seed still be there? It's in your mind. You think that's who you are. I ran into a fellow the other day who was a salesman. I don't know how we got on the subject, but he said a salesman just going to be crooked every once, once in a while to make a sale, tell him something wrong. I said, that's the old seed. That's the old seed. It died at the cross. That part of you is dead to God. But you're still spewing it out because your mind is not the mind that goes with the Christ that is your life. So, dear friends, we're going to have an adventure. We're going through the third chapter of Philippians, and it's a life-changing chapter. I hope you're ready for it, and I hope you're open for it, because the Lord has things to show us. You know why I'm so blessed to be here? Because of all the groups we have, anywhere in the world, Philippine Islands, We had hundreds of students go through our Bible school there. Only place we ever had a Bible school. It turned to the Christ life. And so I didn't start it. Somebody else did. Or America. Or Europe. Wherever this message has gone, there have been more missionaries to come out of this group in the last 12 years than anywhere else the message has gone. I thank God for you. So obviously I'm gonna be a little or a lot more conscious of who you are when I talk to you. Because you many of you are in the process of movement. That's good. God sent me here to bring a message so that when you moved you'd carry it to where you go. I can't be in every place. But you can. You can be there with the Christ in you and you can share the gospel with them. Amen? Amen. Reach over and take your neighbor by the hand, will you? Take your neighbor by the hand right now and kind of look them in the eye and say, I see see Jesus in you. you. I see Jesus in you. In your life and all that you do. I see Jesus in you. Look at the husband. Because I see Jesus in me. I see Jesus in me. In my life and all that I do. I see Jesus in me. We'll be back again 9 o'clock in the morning. Hug every neck you possibly can. God love you.
0: Another great sample of one of the many conferences that Warren did around the world when he was here with us. And boy, this was a great one from South Africa. So powerful and so much comes out of these. And it's just a blessing to be able to share them with you. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, go to the website christ-life.org christ-life.org and there you can find all about the Christ Life Fellowship read all about us and don't forget to check that bookstore out and look at the great material Warren left behind and things that you can have for your own home Robbie Litzman thank you so much for allowing us to go into the archives and we really appreciate you letting us do that so we can bring it to everybody every week We also want to thank Valerie Hill for doing our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, thank you for doing our weekly podcast notes. And Teresa Ferraro, thank you for being such a wonderful producer from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.